We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, August 17th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson in what is our first podcast, we believe, since the day of the NBA draft. We were too lazy to actually look up if we've done a podcast since mid-June, uh, but I think this is the first one. I know it seems like every other day you've been bothering me. When am I going to get back on the pod? When can we do another basketball pod? The words, I have a lot of takes to get off my chest, were uttered in the office today. So here's your opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't get enough of NBA offseason potting. You know that as well as as well as I do. So just really feeling fortunate to be invited back into the studio. Uh, got so many takes. I mean, let's just get right to it. Let's, let's get just right get to right it. Let's to start the with takes. the NBA schedule. The NBA schedule came out earlier this week. Big news is that there's no more four games in five nights. The goal, of course, for that is the NBA doesn't want players resting as much, especially in those national TV games. That obviously was a pretty big issue last year. Does the no four games in five nights solve that for the most part? Uh, I think the NBA has been pretty clear that if players are resting without a clear injury, they're going to come down hard on teams. There's going to be fines. Uh, but at the same time, I think we're still going to see teams test this theory at some point. Yeah, I just don't know how you enforce that, that I agree. penalty. I mean, you can. It's so easy to just say a guy's got like a quad or hamstring or some kind of tightness somewhere, or you know, flu-like symptoms. Right. Like, there's just so many things where it's like, well, how are you going to prove that they actually did not have that? Uh, I think the main thing from the league's point of view is to just if you're gonna breast if you're gonna have LeBron sit out you're gonna have uh Kawhi Leonard sit out Durant yeah yeah uh make sure it's not on a national televised game mm. uh the problem with that is like they're so kind of heavy on certain teams like the Warriors for instance like there's gonna be there's really no reason why Durant or Curry should play more than 70 games this year. But if they're on national TV twice a week, every single week, sometimes three times a week, then and and you have 
you know, a lot of those like games where you a perfect game to to rest those guys. It's just inevitably a lot of them are going to fall on national TV anyway. So it, it just becomes kind of tricky. Uh, I think ideally they would find a way to do it where if you're going to rest Curry, you don't rest Durant, uh, that type of thing. But I, I mean, that's 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 where I think the NBA really cares. I don't think they actually care if LeBron sits out six or seven games. I think they just care that th- those aren't national mm-hmm. televised games. I think I read somewhere too that the Warriors played like six ABC games last year and they were all on the second night of back-to-backs or most of them were four games and five nights like there were extenuating circumstances where it made sense for the Warriors to rest mm-hmm. those guys but they're I mean they're in their own situation you know that that no other team really is as far as being the attraction that they are 43 of their 82 games are on national tv 12 of those are NBA TV, but even then, if you want to just count TNT, ABC, and ESPN, that's 31. That's still almost half the schedule. So that's going to be the question is when we get to April, April 3rd, they play at OKC for the second time. That's game number like 78 for the season. In all likelihood, they'll have the number one seed locked up at that point. That's a TNT game. If Kevin Durant you know, says that his hamstring hurts. What is the, is the NBA going to go in there, like give up an MRI to prove mm-hmm. that everything's fine? Like, I, I just don't see how that's realistically enforceable. Yeah. I think the nice thing that they, they do have going for them is that, Oh, there's going to be so many games where Durant and Curry don't have to play the fourth quarter and, mm-hmm. and most of the third quarter. So that could help in certain circumstances like that. I think there's going to be a lot, it's going to be important, I think, if if the NBA really cares about this, they're going to have to be proactive about communicating. Like they should be thinking as a team would think, like where are these teams going to want to rest these guys, and then communicate with them a couple weeks in advance and say, hey, like I know you might be thinking about sitting him this game. Can you actually sit him this game, or just make sure that you're not sitting everyone in this game? Like there has to be a lot of communication. On the league's part, they can't just react right. when a team does what's in its best interest. And I think if you look at the schedule, just using Golden State for an example, like that's become much more a point of emphasis for the schedule makers. Like in mid-February, the the Warriors play seven games in a row on national TV between ABC, NBA TV, ESPN, and TNT. None of those games are back-to-backs, and you have the All-Star game kind of in the middle splitting those up. So I think in the past it was something that – not that the league, you know, was ignorant of it by any means. I just don't think it was as much of a point of emphasis as it clearly is now. Um, have you seen the list top to bottom of every team and how many games they have on national TV? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you haven't. I have not. Really? Okay. I'm ready to. Do you want to? Well, that's actually, we'll make this fun then. Big reveal. Which team? There's one team, two teams, excuse me, that have only two national TV appearances. Both of those are on NBA TV. Which teams do you think those are? Mm, this is good. All right, so let's see. I okay, I've got one idea. Let me just double check. Um, Lot on the line here. I'm I'm taking this seriously. Let's see. Okay, uh, Pacers. Incorrect. They what? have three national TV games. They get one ESPN game, and of course, that is the. Oklahoma City at Indiana game. Man, that's tough. Um, I did not see that coming. Uh, What are you looking at right now that's helping you make your decision? (laughs) (laughs) Hawks? Hawks are one. Okay. Uh, Hornets. Incorrect. The Brooklyn Nets All right. have only two national TV games. The Hornets See, actually have eight. I mean, the, the Nets are like an obvious one just from a roster standpoint. I was just kind of giving them the the Brooklyn. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the Knicks get like 28 national TV games a year regardless of their They get a Christmas game this year. Lineup, they, so. Well, the Knicks only have 13, which by by that logic that, you, that you've applied, and that has been the case in the past, this is way low. I mean, usually just being the Knicks or right. being the Bulls gets you on national TV. The Bulls only have five national TV games. Four of those are NBA TV, which, in my opinion, doesn't even count. I think the NBA. I mean, this to me, this sort of signals that they're sort of wising up. Yeah. In like, the only thing people care about with tuning into a game is who the players are. Right. Like, there's no. I mean, like, like with the the Bulls, 
like sure that they're, they're a popular team in terms of their their local fan base is big but if you're not a bulls fan specifically zero people are going to tune in to exactly. watch the bulls when they're on national tv and so i mean that, that right. that's and if why you're, if you're a bulls fan you're still going to tune in to watch okc in houston right and if you're an okc fan you're not tuning in to watch chicago and detroit so yeah i think they're they're that that big market bias in national TV is starting to fade a little bit. And we're seeing that outside of TV too, in terms of endorsements and things like that. So as you assume a lot of warriors, a lot of rockets, a lot of calves, a lot of thunder and a lot of Lakers. Lakers are on ESPN 11 times on TNT 11 times, only one ABC game, which I assume is Christmas and then 12 games on NBA TV. Is that smart? Obviously this is about Lonzo ball and maybe to a slightly lesser degree, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, is it, is it? Do people care that much about Lonzo Ball? Is ESPN like overestimating, or, or the NBA? I should say overestimating the interest. Uh, I think they. I hope they are. Like I don't. I'm definitely on the the very very low end of the I care about Lonzo Ball spectrum and. I'm sure that's not a surprise to you. Not one bit. Uh, I th- I think that's an interesting team, but I don't think it's interesting just because Lonzo's on it. Like I'm I'm just as interested in seeing what Brandon Ingram does in year two as I am in seeing what Lonzo Ball does in year one. Uh, so I I mean I think I hope that they're overestimating the public's desire just to see Lonzo Ball, but uh, I kind of have a feeling they're not. I think in the early season, at least, it's going to be fun. I mean, because I think the summer league performance, I guess, is what really poured gasoline on on the Lonzo hype. And you know, you can argue as to whether he actually played all that well and the level of competition, et cetera. But they're really gambling that the Lakers are going to be a lot more fun to watch than they were last year because they added Brook Lopez. Obviously, you add Lonzo, you get another year with Ingram, but this still is not going to be a very good team. And you look at the other teams that are on national TV twenty five plus times they're all virtual locks for the playoffs and LA is, is kind of the outlier. So that, that was interesting to me. Um, like we said, bulls only get one non NBA TV national game, which is a departure from the norm. But of course they're going to be one of the five worst teams in the NBA this season. Pacers only get one national non NBA TV game. That's the Paul George return game. Pretty much all of the return games are going to be national TV, which is nice. Um, which of those games are you most looking forward to like who returning to their old team intrigues you most <sighs> um what were the options again well <laughs> durant back in okc round two uh, don't care still about gonna that be, i think that's still going to be a spectacle you got pg back in indy Def- definitely don't care about that you have gordon hayward back in utah you have demarcus mm, cousins back in about Sacramento. that that one Jimmy butler i i think uh DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento actually I think would be my favorite just because of the animosity on from like Cousins obviously hates the Kings irrationally because they well, decided rationally. Uh, I mean everything they did in my opinion was rational towards him so uh, in in that sense I think it's irrational but in, I mean in his mind it's it's completely rational and then I think everyone in the Kings organization is has so much kind of bitterness and would take so much joy from beating the DeMarcus Cousins team, um, basically from top to bottom in that organization, I think, that I think you're going to see that that Kings team possibly play their best game of the year when when they play the the Pelicans. So, I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I don't see any of those other matchups being a game that the entire other... Like, on the, the OKC, like, Durant side... I know the fans are upset, but like, are any of the players other than maybe Westbrook actually that upset at Durant for leaving? Like, it, I don't I think don't... they were at the time, but then it, it kind of seemed like you know Robertson got into it with them, Cantor got into it a little bit. Like, I don't think they were super thrilled about it. I mean, they didn't take it to the level that Westbrook did. I think it, I think it was similar to Westbrook in that they just probably got sick of being asked about it, and it kind of boiled over. On you know, in those I'm moments. kind of part of this is I'm just sort of rooting for the. Uh, the Pelicans thing to become sort of a a crazy dumpster fire, and I think that that's definitely in play. And I think you're so, going to get your wish there. So, like, I I think that that's 
part of my motivation here. Whereas like with the, the Durant thing to me is just so done. Like yeah. they're the best team. The Warriors are the best team probably ever. And this Thunder team's fine. They're not in the Warriors class. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think that the, the Durant and Westbrook's legacies are kind of done being tied to each other, I, I think. I think so too. I mean, I, they're, obviously that's always going to be a big part of it because they spent so much time together and were such a prominent duo and everything that happened last year, you know, kind of helped solidify that. But I think Durant coming back after cruising to the title, almost going through the playoffs undefeated, winning the finals MVP, like he's not going to get booed like he did the first game back there, but I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to gradually accept him in the way that Cleveland, by by the time LeBron was in year four and Miami fans were running on the court telling him to come back to Cleveland. Like, I, I don't know that that's ever going to be the case in OKC. So I actually have a another one that I would put above the okay. Durant uh, OKC game, and that's uh, Clippers Rockets. Really, okay. ex- really excited for that because I actually think the Clippers, uh, I mean, this is, a lot of this depends on when Blake Griffin is healthy and playing, but I think that they might be the team that I'm highest on this year relative to what their Vegas odds are for, for wins and losses. Like I, I think I honestly think the Clippers could get to 50 wins uh, just with their current team. And I don't think many people are projecting them to do that. And uh, I'm just really interested in seeing how that like whether Blake Griffin just goes out there and goes crazy against the Rockets and like pulls the Clippers. Cause I mean, the the Rockets are going to be favored in all those games. I wouldn't be surprised if all those games come down to the the last couple possessions. So I think those will be really fun to watch. Because yeah, at least I, I the- like the Clippers too. I think once we once we do our over unders pod sometime between now and the start of the season, we'll we'll get into that. But I mean, the Clippers are deeper than they've ever been. Like you lose your best player, but you also gained all the depth that you needed these last four or five years when Paul was there. Right, and and like unlike these, well, I guess the Pelicans and Kings actually might be a lot closer to each other than, than people think. But like, unlike the Thunder Warriors thing, like the Warriors should win those games by close to double digits. Whereas like the Rockets Clippers games, those are all on paper going to be pretty close games. So, I mean, to me that, that kind of adds to yeah. the entry. I mean, I think the Thunder have closed the gap. There's still a huge gap there, obviously, but the Thunder's roster now is much better than it was last year. I think they've closed the gap between them and like the Spurs yeah, and the, I mean they've they've like, narrowed the gap between them and the Warriors from, you know, twenty five point margin to like a fifteen point margin. I'm not saying they're close. I'm just saying they have they're they're putting a better product around Westbrook. Ah uh, man. I I think if the Warriors want though, Do you know they have Paul George, right? Like do you did you miss that? I am aware they have Paul okay. George. I, I was think really the, hoping I'd I think have to the, break that. I think the right Warriors <laughs> I think the Warriors are better than they were last year. I think so too. On paper. Like I, I, I think, but I think the Thunder are significantly better. I think that they're I, – I just need to see how Westbrook plays because I think if he plays in the same style he played last year where he's chasing stats, then I just don't – and I think that they that team won so many close games last year. Like their true, their true level talent was probably five wins less than what they ended up with last year. Uh, so I think just adding Paul George maybe just gets them to where they were last year. Like I, I don't think it's a lock that they're yeah, all of a sudden 10, 12 true. wins better because I, I don't think they were as good as they were last year in the win-loss column. I mean, their expected win-loss was four wins lower than their actual win total of 47, which is not surprising. So, I mean, so part of that's going to even out. Um, and, and some of that, I mean, there's going to be growing pains too. I mean, it's you- not like like, okay, obviously. Or I, I also am really interested to see how they – um, stagger the minutes because obviously like a big thing that kind of came up around MVP voting time was that the Thunder clearly seemed to be doing everything they could to get Westbrook the MVP and not necessarily to win games because they were only playing their starters with Westbrook so that those those Westbrook on the court Westbrook off the court numbers were crazy but that's because they were playing not only were they not playing Westbrook in those lineups they weren't playing Steven Adams in those lineups uh, they weren't playing Oladipo in those lineups. If they do that again this year, where when Westbrook's off the court, Paul George is off the court, Stephen Adams off the court, then I, I don't see how they're really any better than they were last year. But if they actually approach the season with the intent of winning as many games as possible, then sure, they could win 52, 54, 55 games, something like that. 
So the Rockets aren't back in L.A. until mid-January. So unless something happens with Blake beyond the current situation, he'll be back for that, which is good news. And then they only play once before that, so they'll meet twice uh, you know, over the final 40 or so games of the season. The, going back to the Cousins thing real quick, this is going to be weird. It's going to be a little similar, I think, to Jimmy Butler going back to Chicago where any vitriol on the part of the fans is going to be directed at ownership and I think this is more so going to be the case in Chicago than Sacramento because the Kings are actually somewhat on the right track for the first time in a long time so I don't think that you know they're they're in the same position as Chicago fans are right now but Cousins is going to get cheered right nobody's going to boo DeMarcus Cousins Uh, I don't expect that at all I'd be I'd be shocked if he gets booed he didn't uh, want out. He wanted to stay. They wanted. He to wanted stay. to stay because he wanted to get paid. He didn't want to stay. Yeah, but to, I like it, it. I don't know how smart their fan base is. Like, I'm not. I'm Kings not even. The, I've I'm never not the, met any Kings fan. I'm not the type of like fan that would boo anyone right. at any point. <laughs> like, so I. I don't. I can't really relate to that. You, you've on never any booed level. anyone. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have. I mean, I've I've defended someone who was being booed. Sure. Uh, at the Packers game when uh, <laughs> Donovan Darius was kicked out for almost murdering Robert Ferguson. Um, I, I, you, you came. You rushed to I his defense. I came to Donovan's defense, um, <laughs> much to, much to my dismay, as like an eleven year old. But I no, I I, you know, I'm I mean, I, I definitely in general. I I 100 agree on the Butler thing. Like, I don't think the Bulls fans have any hate towards Jimmy Butler. Uh, I I got to imagine there's at least like a twenty percent faction of the Sacramento fans that are glad to see Demarcus Cousins gone. I mean, how many how many consecutive seasons of being terrible with one guy as the the lone common denominator do you need to to start to kind of grow weary of that player? Like, I mean, it's I think at the very least they'll be neutral. Like, what what reason would they have to dislike Cousins? Well, I, I mean, I can tell you this: like, they're their local media certainly doesn't like cousins. Oh, so like course. if you I don't think they like their local media. Well, I don't think that I doubt that that's uh I mean maybe half half of the Kings fans don't like the local media, but I mean if you're if you like believe in like what Grant Napier says like on a on a Kings telecast, then you probably don't like DeMarcus Cousins. If you just choose to um say that every member of the Kings media it has an axe to grind against cousins and and they're they don't know what they're talking about then sure maybe you still like him but like there's got to be a faction of the fans that actually buy into what that media is putting out there yeah okay well maybe maybe it won't be as much of a done deal as i thought we'll see butler is going to get universally cheered right yes he didn't yes, ask out absolutely he, in fact asked in was and i mean he out. he dragged those bulls teams to yes. more wins than they should have gotten right. whereas cousins held <laughs> held down yeah. those kings teams. i believe we get that one pretty early in the year butler back and i definitely like don't care about that at all like there's no bad blood there to me like i don't know to me that's just that that's a zero on the does this game intrigue you based on the player going back to his former team like i just don't care at all i'd, I'd be just as excited about timberwolves any other team okay. but this is that game's actually not till february february 9th so Dwayne wade might not even be a bull at that point <laughs> The Bulls might be like zero and fifty-five at that point, looking for their first win. I mean, Chicago is going to be a bottom three team, right? No, I. No? We we talked about this. I, I was. I wish I had that chat um, thing pulled up. I I don't think it's a slam dunk that they are. Uh, I know that you do. I think that they. I think that they're in that mix of a bunch of other teams that could be uh, bottom five teams. Like, I I actually think that this is the first roster uh that they've had in a while that actually could possibly resemble something that Hoiberg wants to run on offense like they they still you know you're still trotting out like Chris Dunn Dwayne Wade a couple guys that can't really shoot but like ideally those guys aren't um you know it you know Dunn's gonna be looking to pass obviously uh I just think that they have they have some more shooting than they've had in recent years. I think that there's, I think I just think that people are maybe a little too down on them. I think that they could be a bottom five team. I don't think it's a lock that they will be though. I just the level of talent there is so low, especially if you lose Dwayne Wade 
And even having Dwayne Wade there, I don't know if that really helps you all that much. Like, who's their best player outside of Wade? Robin Lopez? Yeah, I mean, Robin Lopez is is pretty decent. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you were so high on Robin Lopez. Never mind. Uh, okay, let's move on from that. I'll keep this quick because I know you don't care. But a lot of new uniforms around the league. When Nike took over the NFL contract, everybody was all excited. Everybody thought that every team was going to get a makeover. And pretty much with the exception of the Buccaneers, nobody changed anything. That has not been the case in the NBA. But half the league has made somewhat significant changes, some more than others. Um, Are there any uniforms that you've seen that you absolutely can't stand? Not off the top of my head. I don't have them all in front of me. Uh, actually, okay. should I? Should I Nor click I. on that link? Or no, that's not. A don't link. click that link. Okay. That's a different don't, link. That doesn't. If, believe it or not, that doesn't bring you to a list okay. of all the okay. all the new uniforms. Um, well, let's, Timberwolves. That's been one of the more polarizing. Okay. Horizontal stripes are back. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with them. I don't, okay. I don't think they're amazing. I don't think they're terrible. I, I'm just, I'm happy to have Nike back in in the the association yeah. if you will yeah i will um, <laughs> i was listening to a podcast the mixtape podcast earlier this week and they had on um a lady named erica i forget her last name who works for ea sports and works on nba live and she had said that she's seen all the jerseys as someone who needs to put them in the game and if i remember correctly she said the horn or the uh, magic alternates are she said they're like insane like people are going to be shocked when they come out because they're so different obviously those haven't been released yet and she said miami has very cool alternates coming as well so okay keep your eyes peeled for those james (laughs) um i like the pacers new ones quite a bit i think those were generally disliked but i thought their old look was so bad that it was kind of an upgrade by default that was good um i mean some teams like the bucks the the nets the celtics the bulls they're pretty much the same just changed a little bit of like the sleeve and the necklines um i remember there being one that i wasn't wasn't a huge fan of um i'll try to i'll try to pull that up yeah if if it comes to you uh (laughs) let me know i was hoping dallas would do something better because there's dallas is a bottom three uniform and they've had them for too long and they're just not cool detroit's the same way theirs are terrible Memphis could use a, a bit of a facelift. I thought the Pelicans would maybe do something. because The Pelicans font on the front of the jersey is, is like six sizes too small. It's like size 12, and it needs to be like size 18. Um, yeah, the Dallas ones are just basically the they're same. Just, yeah, they're, um, not, they're not good. Cleveland. I know you don't like them as much as I do. I, oh, I you, loved the Cavs previous. You design. know what? I I actually I don't like uh, I don't like the Suns ones that much. I mean, like I haven't liked theirs in a while. Okay, it's just the the font is way too, uh, that kind of like stretched out. Yeah. Like I I don't know. It's just it's something that like I would create on like a Word document back in like the early two thousands. Mm, um, a bit of Word art. Yeah, uh, not a, not a huge fan of the Suns ones. Uh, okay. The rest of them I think are all pretty fine i accept your opinion let's get to mvp odds these at least the updated version of these came out via bovada on wednesday at the top of the list russell westbrook at seven to two kd nine to two Kawhi 13 to two lebron 15 to two and james harden eight to one round out the top five westbrook is not winning the mvp westbrook would somehow have to top last year which it just doesn't seem feasible I I definitely think you can cross Russell Westbrook yes. off. Let's let's do that. Let's go down and either cross. Which off is or weird for mark. like the guy with the highest odds. Nah, I'm like I'm very no confident chance. that he will not win. Do you think there's a better <laughs> chance that Russell Westbrook, the favorite at seven to two, or John Wall at thirty three to one, wins the MVP? I'm in Westbrook, but I would take. There are a couple guys. Like I think Giannis and Steph both have better chats at yeah. winning MVP than 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 Westbrook does, mm-hmm. and there and Giannis is seventeen to two, and Steph is eleven right. to one. I will say, like when Curry had his first MVP year in twenty fourteen fifteen, I remember thinking like, "There's no way he's going to top that." And then of course he came out and had the crazy year. The Warriors won seventy three, and it was an obvious back to back. I just don't see like the Thunder would have to win sixty games. And Westbrook would have to have close to as many, if not more, triple doubles. And even then, like he, he had this insane, probably the best individual statistical season 
just based on pure numbers ever. And people were still split on whether or not he should win it. Like, I, I don't, what would he have to do for people to agree to give it to him again? Like, I just don't see that being feasible. Well, I mean, if Durant gets hurt, you're asking about, about Curry. Russ. Oh, you're talking about Russ. Oh, yeah. I don't um, know. If Durant gets hurt, give it to Russ. Thank <laughs> you. Here you go. It's like, I guess. Here you go. <laughs> Call it in. Um, um, yeah. Well, that's the thing for, like, to- I, I don't think, like, I just don't see any scenario. Like, I mean, I, I'm really, really struggling. Like, I don't right, know. I don't either. Like, they get to, you know, Paul George becomes just strictly a role player, like a catch and shoot, uh, defense role player and they win like 61 games and Westbrook averages another triple double like yeah like they would have to win at least 58 games I think for for Russ to win again Mm -hmm. it can't be the same narrative again if Russ wins it it has to be something else where he has like a hyper they get a a top they get like the number two seed his numbers like he averages another triple double and his like efficiency gets yes exactly goes up like you can't can't run back the same narrative and win it again Durant at nine to two. This is if I had like odds beside or aside, whatever, just if I had to pick a player to win the MVP, I think it's Durant. I think he has the most things going in his favor. He has the easiest path, if you will, in that his team's floor is so ridiculously high right. that if, if he just puts up a typical Durant season and they win seventy games, he probably gets it. If he stays healthy and you know, say he plays 75, 76 games, they win 72, 73, 74 games, something like that. And, like, he'll be and he'll absolutely finish in the top three. Like, he might not win it, but, like, he will – it'll be extremely easy to make a case that he should yeah. win it. Well, there, I mean, he'll have the argument of best player on the best team. Like, by default – one right. of those guys is usually in the argument. They don't always win it, but it's usually enough to get you into the top five and probably the top three, which is where Durant would have been had he not gotten hurt last year. I think it's it's so it's going to be so hard. I think for uh, this is this is kind of a unique thing. I think to the NBA where like historically great teams. I think that that can sometimes work against uh, individual award because you're going to be looking at this Warriors team and be like, well, yeah, he's the best player on that team. But even if you take him off of that team, they're still maybe the best team in the league, definitely like a top two or three team in the league. How many of those wins did they actually really need Kevin Durant to be good in to win? Uh, I mean, like, I I think Carl Malone won that year that the Bulls won 72, right? I'm looking that up right now. Um, Malone won it in 97. That, that, that thing which that's... is the year the well that was a year after oh, okay. Jordan won it the 72 okay. win year but the Bulls won 69 the next year and Malone won it so you know I mean I definitely think you're right on with Durant having as good a shot as anyone to win but there's you know if Kawhi drags the Spurs to like 60 wins if LeBron plays you know really if LeBron plays like 74 75 games he's right in there yeah I mean, I think if if Giannis takes the Bucks to like fifty two wins, mm-hmm. then I mean, I, I think Gian, to me Giannis and Kawhi are my favorite right. bets just based on the odds. But um, I think Giannis, Kawhi, outside of Durant, Giannis, Kawhi, and LeBron make a lot of sense because you can come up with a case against a lot of the other guys pretty easily. Westbrook, you have the narrative of it's tough to win it twice, and he, you added Paul George, so you know there's always the argument of. You know, I think what helped him so much last year was look at his teammates. You know, he's dragging these guys to the playoffs. He's doing all this with, you know, Stephen Adams or Victor Oladipo as the second best player. With James Harden, you have the the narrative of he has to top what he did last year, and the team got better. So I think that you know him and Paul maybe split that. Curry, Durant, Draymond all have the super team thing working against them. I, I mean, I think Harden has. Is I, I'm I, he's a cross off to me as well yeah. because like if they do better than they did last year he's not going to get that credit it's because of Paul right right like so there's just I can't see a scenario mm. where he last gets year it. I think he knows it too like last year was his MVP right. year and he just got beat out by another crazy individual year and I I think he should have won it over Westbrook right. but like and I think he should have won it over Curry mm-hmm. uh, three years ago is that t- yeah. three years ago or two years ago but I think um, I think this could be another LeBron year where if he just has the same year that he did last year. 
it might just be his by default because of all the things we just mentioned. He actually like, I don't know if he would have won, but if they hadn't been just terrible over that that one, what was that, I think twenty five game stretch, like where they just kind of looked, which is, which is like three, you know three quarters or a quarter. Yeah, of the yeah season. like that. Just that team, that that lack of team success for that run there knocked yeah. LeBron out of it. But like, if that team doesn't kind of have that weird swoon. His, I mean, those were that was an all-time great LeBron season. Right. If he does that again, and I mean, to me, it's it, the key thing with him is games played yeah. because he's always a candidate to miss mm-hmm. a good chunk of games because what, why, why yeah. play those games? Well, but, he has he has the unique issue of career voter fatigue, right? You know, and it doesn't just carry over year to year for him. It's you're comparing all of his seasons combined because they're all so similar and so efficient that it's hard for it's hard for him to have a season like Curry did two years ago when it was just above and beyond everything because all LeBron seasons are like that. So I think it's hard for them to stand out. Kawhi is kind of the same way where if he wins it, it's not because he has a Westbrook, a Harden season where he blows everybody away. It's just kind of a, look, he does everything so well. No one else had an insane year. Let's give it to him. Well, so here's why I think Kawhi is maybe right there. I think he's right there there with Durant. Like, I mean, like you were saying, you take Durant, like odds out the window, you take Durant. Yeah. I think odds out the window I might take Kawhi just because he's gotten better offensively. Like you can just look at his numbers like year to year. He's gotten better offensively every single year. If he gets better offensively again this year, maybe maybe adds another assist per game, something like that. And the the Spurs are once again kind of a, a popular team to write off, like as everyone's picking the Rockets to finish with the number two seed. Uh people are, you know, saying the Spurs and the thunder right there like if the spurs go get that number two seed Kawhi once again improves is once again you know the best on ball defender in the league like then it's basically his barring something crazy from like Giannis or LeBron like I I just Kawhi is just such an easy like you know what you're going to get from him you know it's going to be MVP caliber and it just kind of comes down how many games the spurs win yeah, if the Spurs win, say, 62 games and the Warriors don't have a historic winning season and win, like, 68, I think it's Kawhi. But if the Warriors win 75 and the Spurs win 63, then it's probably Durant. But if – yeah, I mean, what if Kawhi plays, like, three more games than Durant? What if their numbers are actually not that far off? Like, I could see their offensive numbers – being kind of similar next year just because Durant is going to be sitting for so yeah. many fourth quarters. I mean, Kawhi, that, that Spurs team needs Kawhi if they want to finish with a top two seed. Like, he's going to have to ball out throughout the regular season. He's going to obviously get his days off, but when he's out there, he's going to have to be playing, you know, 32, 33 minutes of really high-end ball. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what it would take for Durant to beat him out if, if the Spurs get to 62, 63 games wins but mm-hmm. I, I think it is Kawhi's if they if they get over yeah. 60 yeah I mean and if you want to compare those two head to head like you said it's going to be really similar and if if the next comparison that voters make is quality of teammates right it's like, not even close I mean the Spurs second best player is LaMarcus Aldridge and he looked like a shell of himself I mean their the third best player might or their season. second best player might be Danny Green right like, who like, shot 39 yeah, percent from the floor like, last year there's there's all but then there's the pop factor. Like that's that's always the argument like against Kawhi, I guess, if you mm-hmm. want to make that argument is that but you know, is it Kawhi or is it the coach? I also think that it's at a sort of tipping point with voters where everyone everyone feels really smart by pointing out that Kawhi is a great two way player. Yeah. So like it's <laughs> it, like every voter has voted for Durant before. They've all voted for like mm. you know, Steph before, they've all voted for LeBron before, like at a certain point, if Kawhi keeps this up, it's just going to be his turn. And well, it's so, a kind of the, the lifetime achievement MVP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, to me, I think Giannis is the most interesting guy to just kind of talk about, like, what mm-hmm. if the Bucks win X number of games and he does what we think he's capable of doing, how does he not win it? Like, yeah. Because he could – you could honestly see him winning MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in in the same year you could see the like if the bucks get to 53 54 wins somehow it's there's no it's going to be all all the credit's going to be on Giannis. like he's going to get 100 percent of the credit for that and 
the Bucks don't have like people know who Chris Middleton is. People now know who like Malcolm Brogdon is, but nobody thinks of those guys as people who are second best player on a 53, 54 win right. team type of good. So, you know, he's going to, he's another guy where he's just at that stage of his career where his numbers are just naturally going to be better, like across yeah. the board. And if he doesn't get hurt, if they have enough wins, I feel like he's, he's right there too. Yeah. And it, it sounds like a lot to go from a 42 win team, like the Bucks were last year with Giannis healthy all year to a mid fifties win team. But if Giannis is as good as we think he can be, like, it's not unrealistic to look at this as like a LeBron and Cleveland the first time situation where they went, they were a 45 win team in 07, 08, 66 wins the next year, 21 win increase without, you know, major roster additions. The Cavs were always adding random veterans to try to remedy that situation, but it, like this Bucks roster and, is better than any of those Cavs rosters. And, and it's still not good. Like Middleton you know in in the first half of last season he didn't have middleton if he, you get mm-hmm. middleton all year that that's that makes a difference and you know this is a bucks team that now you know last year was kind of everyone being like oh man look how good Giannis is like now this bucks team everyone is going to be talking about them as a clear top 4 or 5 team in the east they're going to get a couple marquee games and Giannis has gone out there and been the best player on the court in games against the Cavs in games against the hornets <laughs> i mean the like Kings. there he might have a couple like marquee wins where everyone was watching the game and he was better than lebron mm-hmm. or he was better than durant and like those that that'll help kind of craft a narrative that he's becoming maybe the best yeah. player in the league i agree i, I like you said though it's going to come down to team wins like if they don't win 50 games he can't win it because i think the candidates above him are going to be so strong that his numbers would have to be so much better than westbrook durant leonard James Harden, any all those guys that, to make up for what's going to be a discrepancy in wins. So we'll see. Who, I mean, who's a guy out that that has odds of, let's say, thirty to one or worse? That maybe a couple guys that you're like, I'm not gonna. I'm obviously not saying he could, he will win it, but like, just it's totally it's, interesting. Yeah. it's interesting. I think the two guys for me are John Wall at thirty three to one. If the Wizards have a crazy year. If he plays 80 games and ups his numbers a little bit and they're the maybe they pass Cleveland and they're the second seed in the East, he'll have a case. I still don't think it would happen, but 33 to one, you know, that's kind of what you get. And then the guy next to him on the list, Griffin, uh, Blake Griffin Mm -hmm. from the L.A. Clippers, if he's healthy, if he plays 70 games and averages six and a half assists, which isn't necessarily what I would expect to happen, but we've seen him in the playoffs a couple years ago have that kind of impact and the Clippers are a top four seed in the West. He'll have a similar type of case to wall, but I think both of those guys are just, there's just too much top end talent. A lot would have to go wrong for all the names at the top of the list for those guys mm-hmm. to really, really be like top three candidates, but it's not totally impossible. Okay. So I'm, I'm totally with you on uh, Griffin. Like I think that there's, there's just such a narrative there. The injury is going to make it tough for him to, have as much mm-hmm. and enough games and everything under his belt but i think there's definitely a narrative there for griffin to win it but what do you think okay so joel Embiid's 50 to 1 and all right like if he were to play like 72 games and i i think if he played that many games i think the sixers would win 48 49 games like i i really think he's that valuable uh i mean i'm I'm not saying that it's and and i would bet i would take the under on him playing even 50 games so like the idea of him playing 72 games is is a huge stretch but i think if he does it i think that the advanced numbers at least are going to point to him as an mvp candidate and he's at 50 to 1 what do you think about he would win it if there was a fan vote and he played that many (laughs) games it would not even be close it might be unanimous well and the media loves him yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, you know, if like, he plays that many games, it's going to be a big deal, and he's going to be all over yeah, like, TV. There's not a single media member that isn't like head over heels in love with Joel right. Embiid. So, like that, that's going to matter. Uh, what do you think about the difference in odds for Carl Anthony Towns at 33 to one and Jimmy Butler at 75 to one? Because, like, it's, that's odd to me. It's obviously I'm, it's easier to kind of craft a narrative of Carl Anthony Towns winning it just because of how 
you know, versatile and unique of a player he is and everything. But if Jimmy Butler comes to town and all of a sudden they win 55 games and Butler's Butler has a career year, how do you say that it's Carl Anthony Towns who gets the MVP and not yeah. Jimmy Butler? Like, it's just, I don't, I'm not I mean, saying that Jimmy Butler is going to win the MVP, but I don't know why there's such a gap in their odds. Yeah. I mean, I think if that's the case, Towns numbers are probably ridiculous and there's that argument, but it's kind of the, it's like the Rockets thing you mentioned earlier. If the Rockets win more games than last year, Hard, that means Harden played really well, but it's really hard to not point to the other, you know, kind of elephant in the room that, hey, you added this other superstar. Maybe that had something to do with your team playing well. Like, to me, the fact that I still think Towns should like, have better odds than Butler, but the fact that Butler's so low and has the same odds as Wiggins. How the hell is Wiggins have right. 70 to five, 75 to yeah, 1 like, odds? Towns is at 33 to 1. That's absurd. How is Butler should be at 50 to 1. Like, Wiggins. Like, I'm, Porzingis isn't going to win the MVP, but, like, Porzingis, to me, has a way better shot of winning it than Wiggins does. Because, like, yeah. you know, you could at least – the Knicks would obviously have to vastly outperform expectations, but he would clearly be the reason why. Exactly. Like, there's no scenario where Andrew Wiggins is the reason why the Timberwolves <laughs> are, like, this 50-win team. Could you imagine? I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe they don't, Vegas knows something that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, at least with the Knicks, you can come up with some situation in your mind where they – they trade Carmelo and win 25 of their last 30 and Porzingis goes crazy. You know, like obviously that's not going to happen, but at least you could see like he, some like he, sort of scenario. he finishes like top three defensive player of the year. He yeah. averages like 24 points a game, shoots crazy efficient uh, from the field and beyond the arc and everything. Like Wiggins is the third fiddle and it's like a big gap between him and whoever you want to say is number two on that team. Exactly. I That's, that's bizarre to me. Anything else on this list that stands out to you? for one reason or another uh no i mean i, I, probably... I don't see Dejounte murray on there but maybe that, it's i thought just, was odd it's not a big enough Parker, list parker's gonna be out to begin the year you would think <laughs> kind of a jump start to that campaign um yeah i mean there's just a lot of players that you shouldn't even consider betting on on here i think that's the pretty clear <laughs> that's the that's the big takeaway here for me uh okay let's talk real quickly about the 2018 draft i mean a lot of the last few podcasts that we've done and you know you have to go back to may and june for this are about the draft that's kind of our our niche if you will the big news <laughs> around that will you okay uh <laughs> the big news around the draft in the last week is that marvin bagley is reclassified so the number one player in the class of 2018 has now joined the class of 2017 he spurned the Arizona Wildcats. It might have been a mistake to go to I the think Blue it Devils. Clearly, was a mistake. We don't know if he's going to play yet. Uh, clearly, his goal is to just be eligible for the NBA draft. I think he would like to play at Duke, but he obviously knew the risk uh, of taking this, of making this decision. But with him reclassifying, and we're, if we're to assume he's going to be eligible for the 2018 draft, it's not going to be as deep as last year's historically deep draft, where you could get guys like John Collins at 17 or 18. But the top six, seven, eight guys in this class are really, really appealing. And with Bagley joining the class, you know how I have him. You have DeAndre Ayton at Arizona, who could very well play his way into being the number one pick. You have Mo Bamba uh, at Texas, who, barring a complete collapse, is probably locked into the top ten somewhere. Michael Porter at Missouri. Luka Doncic, uh, considered widely one of the best European guards, if not the best European guard. Uh, to become draft eligible probably since Ricky Rubio. And I think he's more of a complete player, much more of a complete player than Rubio. And then you have Robert Williams at A&M and Miles Bridges at Michigan State, two guys who almost certainly would have been lottery picks had they stayed in this past draft. So, you know, it's not the worst thing to be the Hawks or the Bulls, um, you know, or a team like like the Knicks who are probably going to be picking in that one, two, three, four, five range. Yeah, it's... It's already sort of shaping up to be more impactful at the top, I think, than this past draft, which we were hyping all year. It, well, at least in my opinion, it is just because I'm not as into like I'd rather have a wing slash forward heavy draft than a point guard heavy draft. Personally, I just I'm, yeah. I'm, well, this is completely opposite of that. None of those guys we mentioned are point guards right. or. You know, like, really these are all just guns. like long ass dudes that are going to be out there like playing the three playing the four switching on like everything like shooting threes right. like crazy dunks uh two-way players like this is 
this is definitely my kind of draft near the top. Uh, do you think it's a clear top five of, of like in some order, Bakley, Doncic, Aiton, Bamba, Porter? And then, I don't think and then, so. I think Bridges and, and Williams could play okay. their way. I think Bridges and Williams, having already played and been really good for a year at college basketball, are going to have a little bit of a leg up in that they could maybe play their way into that top five. I mean, as soon as you come back, though, like as soon as you come back for a second year, I feel like you have a leg down because of your age relative to, you know, Porter's going to have a yeah. huge year, Bagley's going to have a huge year, presumably. And then you're comparing those guys to guys that are at least a year older. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Robert Williams, to me, if if he all of a sudden shows up and is stretching the floor, then he's in that mix. But, you know, I as much as I loved him as a prospect, he was still a little flawed in today's right. game where it's just – it's a – you know, he's a, a freak physically, great uh, – defensive potential great rebounder and everything but like a little bit limited offensively and then with bridges to me he still kind of carries a bit of a tweener label and the other the wings uh the the wings in the the group of five i mentioned ahead of him don't really have that tweener label like they're clear like we know what Mm -hmm. these guys are whereas i'm not necessarily sure if bridges is a two or a three or even a small ball four to me that's a much bigger issue for bridges than the class status i mean you look at last year's draft there wasn't an upperclassman or a non-freshman i should say taken until canard at 12 but at the same time i wouldn't say that we were thinking man canard should have gone higher they they knocked him because he was a sophomore like he went where he should have went regardless of what his class was Mm -hmm. um and i think we'll probably see the same this year maybe people knock bridges although i believe he's young for his class and you know someone like josh jackson should have been a sophomore for talking by age last year. So I think I think actual age probably matters more than class to to a lot of these teams. Um, but in terms of how these top six or seven guys are going to end up being ordered, you can probably lock, in my eyes, you can lock Michael Porter into the top three. Although playing at Missouri is somewhat of a wild card because that you know that team that team could end up it could be a Fultz situation where they're just not that good. Although that didn't really affect Fultz's stock, and same could be said for Ben Simmons. So, I don't think you can lock anyone into the top three. Honestly, is it? I I mean, is it because the guys below them are so good that yeah, like have to play? Well, I think those. I think those five guys: the the Porter, Bagley, Aiton, Doncic, uh, Bamba, Bamba, like that. That group of five guys, like any of them, Mm -hmm. could go number one, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be someone else too, you know, right. I, I think yeah, every know, year, like, every year, Jonathan Isaac was considered a lottery pick for sure coming into last year. But I think his stock rose at least a few spots throughout the year. Like somebody that were, that were high on, you know, well, like, like maybe one of the Kentucky guys. Lonzo ball coming into last year was considered like a definite lottery pick, but, but not probably not, probably right. not a top five pick. Exactly. Coming into right. last so somebody is going to be in there and, and there's going to be a hell of a lot of players who play their way into, you know, where we saw guys like Markinen and Tilakina come off the board, you know, maybe they don't, I don't know if there's a player that you look at outside of this top seven and say like, man, I really think he's going to crack his way into there. And, and again, somebody probably will, but it's hard to pinpoint that player. Uh, but this top seven is really strong. Who are you most excited to watch? I'm on, I mean, in some ways, all these guys, but probably Bamba. Just because, I mean, this is like the longest guy to come into college <laughs> basketball, really like maybe ever, unless we're counting, like, you know, the the Taco Falls of the world, like the immobile giants. Like this, like in terms of like legitimate big time prospects, this guy is fairly unparalleled in terms of what he can do defensively. I really wanted him to go to Kentucky just so he could play with better teammates and be on TV more. But it's not like Texas is, you know, a, a scrub school by any means. So he'll be fun. That Arizona team, this is the year, right? Go cats, man! This, we talked about this Cutting the other down. day. Like this is how you build championship rosters. This like, is you have, this you is Trier Junior. You got Raleigh Hawkins textbook textbook way to win a title. It is. You yep. can't just win it with all freshmen. You need even when Kentucky did it, they had upperclassmen. Like, you need consecutive dominant. And it's a clear classes. like. There's no questions about what anyone's role is on that team. Right. Like there's nobody who's going to be like, man, I should be playing more. Like I was kind of part of me was shocked that kobe simmons thought that it was time for him to go to the nba but 
I'm honestly not that bummed that he's not around Might because be Kobe Simmons would want to be like yeah. the go-to guy on this team. Exactly. <laughs> well, they still have Jackson Cartwright too, who's a senior. But he's he's your total like senior like right, let's win let's guy. win like I don't care exactly. what my numbers are type of guy. You, that's that's the model that North Carolina has been using. Yeah. Every time they win a title, it's working. It's, it's, exactly. It's the mix of... And they haven't had a guy like Aiton in that, that stretch of them winning these titles. No. Like They haven't had a, a prospect of that caliber come in. Who is, who's been the best player on any of those, the three, North, the three modern UNC title teams in terms of uh, post-college career? So there was... The so remind team, me of which three teams are you so talking So the first about? team that beat... That beat the Darren Williams Illinois team had Sean May, oh, okay, right. Marvin Williams, Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants. I mean, I think the best. That's. Um, I mean, the two best recruits of was Brandon Wright on a title team. Because uh, if he if he was on the second title team, he was not all that prominent. I like don't know the that two the two best recruits they've had in recent memory are Marvin Williams and Brandon Wright. I think. Ty Lawson was a pretty big recruit too. I mean, he was a, he was okay. obviously a huge part of the the second title team. Um, but like you know, someone like Wayne I, Ellington was. A I big guess recruit, I mean like recruit. Good. I guess like in terms of like next level mm-hmm. potential, like those those types of guys. Right, like none like, of those guys were eight. Um, right, and I mean Martin Williams was number two pick. I mean, obviously, tons of tons of hype. Yeah, tons but he of came off the bench for that team too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's how stacked that team. And he was, was the number two pick in not a great draft, a, a draft in which Andrew Bogut was the number one pick. I mean, I think uh, just in terms of how good they were at both ends of the court, you could make a case for Justin Jackson. Uh, I think. I think Ty Lawson. Just if yeah, but it's not my, like my memory. Like like when I remember like thinking about all three of these teams we're talking about, I think Ty Lawson to me seemed like the best college player of yeah. anyone on any of those teams but you also never looked at him like man he's going to be a force in the nba he was he was a yeah. late lottery pick he seemed so like small. a guy that was going to be you know like a frank mason type that was just going to be better right. much better in college and yeah the NBA. And, well, and that was his junior year when they won it and you had tyler hansborough yeah. he was a who was the best player on that team as a college guess, player yeah i guess danny green who uh, was he, he was was he even drafted if he yeah, was second, second round, round second and round, he yeah. played in the d-league um yeah i mean it's just it's just not common for a team as good as arizona which would have been a top 10 team regardless you know even if they didn't even bring any recruits in probably this year and you're adding deandre ayton to that in addition to other good freshmen so the cats are set up pretty well they got shack's kid coming in next year too good good time to be an arizona alum am i right oh man never been a better time when do you get the honorary degree (laughs) I'm honestly surprised they haven't uh, taken the initiative on this one. I guess maybe it's in maybe the ball's in <laughs> my court. They but... it to me. <laughs> All right, three quick questions and then we'll we'll end this. Yes or no? Is Kyrie dealt before the season starts? Uh, no. I. They don't have like he doesn't have any leverage really. Um. I just don't know which what package is out there. Like obviously they don't stack up. They obviously don't stack up with the Warriors with the current roster. But at least with the current roster, you've played this Warriors team and you've had a lot of close games in the finals in the last two years. You won the finals one of those two years. Um, I mean, I I just don't see why you would break that up for the offers that are getting floated unless you i don't know i mean even even for like the potential like you're getting a josh jackson you're getting a jason tatum those types of like potential offers i just don't you're you're punting on this year in a year where you know lebron's leaving after the year so i, I just well, that's, I, I mean know. that's we could go on and on about this i mean it's lebron in a lot of ways is handcuffing them they don't know if they should rebuild or if they should gear up for a one-year run like they're what they're trying to do is rebuild and reload at the same time which you just can't do yeah i i <laughs> i mean you can't really reload against this warriors team like no, it's just like you can't there's no return where you're like oh now yeah. now we're now we now we can beat this Warriors." Well, that's team. what i talked like, about with with chris fedor of cleveland.com a couple of weeks ago is in a typical nba environment when you add derrick rose and you add jeff green 
it's not considered a disastrous offseason. Like usually if you're a top team in the NBA, it's like, oh, you're capped out. That's all you could do. And we're viewing this as just a complete failure by the Cavs to catch up to the Warriors. Like it's impossible to catch up to the Warriors. No one can build a team like that. Is there any haul that they could get back for Kyrie that has them better situated for next season than just keeping Kyrie? If there's a three-way deal where they get Melo and Eric Bledsoe, I don't, I don't know that they're better situated, but they're at least the same to me because you still have to figure out. Can how to, that work with the contracts? I think, it, I think in that scenario, you'd have to you, either I send mean, out a lot. They're sending of, out a lot. They're yeah. sending out like the Channing Fry deal. They're sending out a Uman Shrimp. Yeah, Shepard if you're sending out a lot of deals, yeah. or Melo's getting bought out and he agrees to join you, yeah, it would, yeah. you know, it would take some maneuvering. Of course, there's a reason it hasn't happened yet, but that one to me at least keeps them close. I mean, adding Melo against Golden State, I don't know how what that really does for you, but. There's not that many. There's not that many feasible deals out there. The, that, like Kevin Love, in his own way, sort of hamstrings them right. because like you <laughs> they're can't, doubling down on that. Like you can't, you can't have Melo and Kevin Love out there at the same time. Well, <laughs> you just can't. We, they just might. <laughs> uh, okay, question two: Who's going to be the worst team in the NBA next year by record? Uh, I think the Hawks will be. Okay, I agree with you. And finally. Better chance of missing the playoffs, Minnesota or Denver? Uh, that's a good one. Denver, mind you, was nine games better than Minnesota last year. That's pretty wild to think about. It is. Um, I'm going to say Denver just because... I think that they don't quite have the same urgency the Wolves do, and you could see more scenarios where they make a trade that might make them slightly worse this year but better long-term. I I don't know. I mean, I I just don't see – this T-Wolves team is so all-in on being good this year, and I think it – like, I like Zach Levine a lot, but I think, you know, getting getting it so that you don't have him and Wiggins both on the court at the same time ever again is going to help. <laughs> I think that ever. kind of getting a bit more uh, clarity at the point guard position is going to help. I think Towns is is due for a, a pretty big uh, – I mean, it's not like he had a bad year last year, but, I mean, I think he's going to have a rebound year where people are talking about him all year long. And, I mean, Jimmy Butler's – better than any player they had on their team last year so i i don't i think that they i think that they are pretty much a lock as long as they don't have a some big time injuries whereas i think the the nuggets are are not quite a lot i think just straight up most people would say minnesota's a better team i mean it's not really much of a debate my worry for denver is that they don't have a point guard still if jamal murray becomes that guy that's great but the argument for Denver is, like I said, they were nine wins better already last year. So I guess in some ways it's less of a mountain to climb. Do you think that the Jazz are better than the Nuggets? No, no. I I, I think that they're. I, I see. Think I think in the same tier. I think the no. Jazz and the Nuggets are closer than the Nuggets and the T Wolves. Personally, I think Golden State's in its own tier. Houston and San Antonio are in the next tier, and then there's a pretty big tier of Clippers, Jazz. Thunder, Nuggets, Timberwolves. And I would be tempted to maybe boost the Thunder slightly ahead just because they won 47 last year and added Paul George. If I were just like if I were just ranking them, I would say Warriors, Rockets, Spurs, yep. Thunder, Clippers, Wolves, and that's six, right? That's six, yeah. Yeah, so then it's to Those me it's it's two. Jazz and Nuggets, Nuggets and Blazers for three spots yeah so we're dropping memphis out they were the seven last year with all those injuries yeah i mean i'm not saying they're definitely out but like i don't know how you could pick them over those other teams yeah i feel bad for the pelicans because even if everything goes right i I don't think they make the playoffs i think the blazers have a shot of of being just as good as the jazz or the nuggets i mean I, i think those three teams are are pretty close yeah i mean the blazers were a playoff team last year yeah and, I mean, they, they had a lot go wrong for them early in the season. So Yeah, I mean, full year of Nurkic, it'll be fun. All right, let's wrap this up. We said we were going to go for 45 minutes max. We're at 16.
63 minutes, so nice work. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.